If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to go one by one with the positions and the depth charts and talk about what we've seen from the players in training camp. Eight camp sessions are in the books. Uh, sorry, I'm, I, I sometimes forget where I am at, uh, during training camp. There's a lot going on. Uh, but Chris, on that note, how you doing? Not too bad, man. I can, I can agree, man. It, it Days start to blend in. I mean, I start and one of the stories I almost started putting it was Tuesday, and that was on that was yesterday. So, yeah, days start to blend in together. How are you doing, man? I'm, I'm well. You know, uh, my son's homesick from daycare has a little bit of a tummy bug, but um, oh, you know, man. I'm here. I'm here. You know, as my grandma says, she goes, "I'm still here." Uh, I think she's talking about other things you know, more morbid when she says that, but I'm here. Jeez. So, so uh, yeah, um, let's just get into it because look, we're doing a podcast every week once there's a break in camp. So we can kind of, you know, reiterate what's going on in, in, in training camp. And I think this week was very different than the first week of camp. Uh, I think some of the guys who were kind of struggling on the stock watch kind of pick themselves up and vice versa. So let's kind of get into it. Let's start with the quarterback position. You are keeping an exponentially close eye to all three quarterbacks. That's been your main job in camp. I'm going to let you go out and discuss all three quarterbacks because this has been your project throughout the summer. Well, thank you very much. Welcome to the QB. No, I was kidding. But uh, what's going on right now is uh, Jalen Hurts, just looking overall, I mean, you asked a good question yesterday when Nick Sirianni, you asked Nick Sirianni if he's been named, should we, why hasn't he named him QB1? And he still hasn't done it. And it's one of those things where it's like you start to run questions a little bit. And when you hear, I wonder if it's more he just wants to keep him, keep a comp- competition going because by and large, he's been the best overall quarterback, in my opinion, between the three, given that he's not, he, he's not going to be the most accurate. But when you look at other things that he's done, he's been accurate enough, and then he brings a lot of other stuff to the table. When I say that is, 
in the individual drills, he seems to struggle at times a little bit with his accuracy, when, especially when he goes throws to the running backs or the wide receivers when it's just alone by themselves, or even when it's uh, one-on-one when it's the wide receivers go, going against cornerbacks. It starts to get a little uh, – he starts to miss a lot of high. That's one thing I've seen with him. He's missing high when it comes to a lot of these passes. But when he gets to 7-7 seven or seven and lately, and, and when it comes to 11-11, he looks a lot better. He looks more – in focus, he looks more in tune. He's hit, he's putting the ball at least in an area where it can be caught. So I think that's a decent thing. We all know he's what he does with his legs, and he's done that so far. When he's looked around and saw there's nothing open when it came to receivers, he's took off and, and and run. When you look at Flacco, I think he's doing what you expect him to do: be the veteran guy to pick up if he's called upon, pick up first downs, dump the ball off to running backs and, and tight ends in, in short yardage. I mean. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was shocked that he was—he still had a little bit of mobility left when he rolled out and tried to escape a run and was able to throw off his back foot, almost like Bo's, Bernie Kosar all ass throwing sidearms and stuff like that. But he's been okay in that aspect, and you, you just—you just want him to help out Flacco and this other and the other guy, Nick Mullins. And Mullins is up and down. You, you, you see parts where you're like, you know what? You can see why this guy was brought in to be the third guy. He has a lot of talent. He's recovering from that elbow surgery. He, he he throws a lot of he when he's on he's extremely accurate. I mean that one ball that he threw that that the vid, that the video's been shared a lot of times when he threw it to uh, Jalen Rager, he put that on the back pylon, right in a perfect was well, too much air for it is perfect for allowing him Rager to make a catch. He does that, but then you look about a couple plays somewhere else. He makes a throw that you're like, where was that going? And he's also fumbled the ball a couple of times, and that's a little concerning, especially you don't last you don't want your quarterback. You want your quarterback to be your best uh, person who can control the ball and not fumble and turn the ball over. So, overall, the camp, I mean, they started out, all three started out slow, but it looks like as camp progresses and they're getting adjusted to the system, they're getting a little bit better as well, too. And I really want to see what they, what they do next Thursday against the Steelers. Yeah, and and you bring up this the preseason game against the Steelers. I think Jalen Hurts absolutely has to play. As you mentioned, uh, he has done well when he has – a bigger target range, right? Having that DB in the picture kind of allows you to have a bit more uh, eye coordinate, hand-eye coordination with where you want to launch the ball. And I think, like you said, throwing the air has been a chore for all three of these guys. Throwing one-on-one has been a chore for these guys. But when you have that team setting, when you have an offensive line in front of you or you have some action in front of you, it's been much better for these this trio um you know last week we touched on it that we thought that there could be a competition between Mullins and Flacco I think Flacco has had a very good second week I think there's no question he's the number two guy at this point Mullins kind of retracted a little bit uh like you said he's had some ball security issues I've noticed you know he's working with the third string uh offense Harry Kreider the undrafted free agent has had some really big issues with snapping the ball, both with the second team and third team offense. So I know it's not just Mullins. There's also been parts where uh, pass rushers have actually knocked the ball out of Mullins hands, gotten in trouble with defensive line coach, Tracy Rocker. But the, the fact is, you know, Mullins is not holding on to the ball. Well, he's also a smaller quarterback, smaller quarterbacks typically have smaller hands, uh, which makes it more difficult to hold on to the football. So there's all that. I also think, you know, um, my 53 man roster projection is going to come out Saturday morning. Um, I think 
he's a guy that you can easily get to the practice squad unless he has like a blow up training camp or a blow up preseason. And even then, I don't know if you're, you, you need to stash him uh, based on the roster dynamics. So it'll be interesting to see what Mullins does because he's going to play the majority of the preseason. I think you're going to see, you know, Jalen Hurts maybe play a combined two quarters in the preseason. Flacco maybe plays a combined two or three as well. But the rest is going to be the Nick Mullins show. And I'm just interested to see uh, how he does because realistically, as a guy who's started and won games in this league, you would think he'll cut through everybody's third string defense like it's Swiss cheese. So, um, yeah, let's move on to the next spot because I think this is become the talk of camp with and without pads. Um, the running back group is stacked, and I don't think a lot of people felt that way initially. I think a lot of people were down on Jordan Howard. I think a lot of people were down on Jason Huntley. They didn't know what they were getting in on Johnson. Uh, Kenny Gainwell is a bit of a mystery after taking last year off. So there, there's a lot of question marks there. I have the Eagles keeping five running backs right now, and I, I'm almost tempted to say lock it in that they're going to keep five running backs. Um, what's your overall thoughts on the group so far? I think it's the deepest, deepest position group on this team right now. Get given, and they all bring something different. I mean, and I look at, we all know what Sanders was going to do and Scott has looked a lot better than I thought he would as well. So I play on RB two, but then you start to look at what carry on Johnson has done to this point, catching the ball out the backfield. We all knew he was, he was good at that. And then the biggest surprise to me has been Jason Huntley. I mean, I love, by the way, I love the piece that you wrote, man. That was really good about Jason Huntley. Catch that on NJ.com. But Huntley's been uh, – we all knew he was fast, but he just sunk, seems to kick into another gear and has that explosiveness. I mean, when they run those stretch plays on running outside, he's he's consistently getting around the corner. And he's looked very well. So when you look at that, and Huntley's going to be the key, I think, is going to be as as the last guy, like the fourth, as the fourth, fifth guy, because if I really want to see this team put him back as a kick returner, because I think he just adds that much that much more to him to the, yeah, that, was, that dynamic. Yeah, and to your point, he had five kick off returns for touchdowns in in college, and Dave Fipp didn't even look at him. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. think having a new special teams coordinator might help. Uh, let's talk about Kenny Gainwell a little bit. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I think we need we need to discuss this. I don't know if Kenny Gainwell plays very early on. I know they're very high on him, but it's very clear he's been out of action for a while. It's also clear that he's a rookie. Um, he's had some plays as a receiver. I haven't really noticed him in the running game. I don't know what the pass protection situation is there, but I know that that was a question mark coming in. Um having Huntley on the roster helps you kind of take your time with him. So how intrigued are you by Kenny Gainwell heading into the preseason? I very much am. It just looks, seems to me like he's just thinking too much while he's out in the field. Like he's still trying to process everything and not letting his athleticism take over. Cause when they decide to use him like on a swing pass or he's, he's an outlet on a pass and he's good thrown to him. It's just like, it's just a quick read and react and he's going up the middle of the field. But when it comes to the more developed passing routes, it just looks like he's, thinking through the motions like I have to go here or I have to go here it just you say he's still processing but eventually when he gets everything he gets more acclimated with this offense the fact you, the 
I'm excited to see him and Sanders on the field together at the same time because the possibilities are endless of how you can run them with that pony. That's that two running back sets. I mean, this it, it's there's a lot you can do on that offense and it adds another dynamic. So he's gonna it, he it, it's gonna be a little while. Like you mentioned, he's been out of football. He was out of football for a year, and and once he stops basically internalizing and and, and processing everything in, in this office comes second nature. He can really be dynamic. All right, let's get into wide receiver because, again, another story at training camp um, to kind of catch you guys up if, if you're not big on social media or you've missed some of the practice reports that Chris and I have put out on NJ.com. Uh, Jalen Rager had a rough start to the week. Well, he's had a rough start to training camp in general, but particularly on Wednesday, he was absolutely reamed on the field by Nick Sirianni and Kevin Petullo. Um Flash forward to Thursday – uh, as Chris mentioned, he made the catch of training camp, the one-handed grab that you can see on uh, Eagles Twitter, uh, their official Twitter site. Unbelievable one-on-one catch. He he did really well against Darius Slay, looked very confident. And, you know, as somebody who's covered several training camps, sometimes it just takes one play to kind of spark a, a player's confidence. And it seemed like he got that confidence after that catch because then he had a drop but immediately bounced back in team drills, caught a pass deep. Uh, and then Nick Sirianni, like, you know, excitedly celebrated with him afterwards. He had a nice contested catch on the sideline against Steven Nelson. So I think maybe Jalen Rager starting to feel himself. Obviously he was dealing with a personal issue off the field. He failed his phys- initial physical. There's all that. But it doesn't matter where you start, it matters where you finish, and it seems like he's starting to kind of get into his stride. The same can be said about Quez Watkins, who missed the first week of training camp uh, with a non-COVID illness and some physical issues. Uh, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's putting on, a, on a, a show in camp on a daily basis. His route running's been terrific. There was a play against, uh, like, eighth-string nickel corner Lavert Hill where – uh, he made a move. His first cut was inside. He then, he then juked to the inside, faking, selling an inside move, but didn't actually move. Lavert Hill froze on the outside and then Quez continued his route inside and had an easy wide open catch and one-on-one. Uh, he's made some plays down the field. He looks fast. He looks competent as a route runner and as a, uh, you know, a guy who can play multiple positions. I think he's going to be one of those guys that rotates with Jalen Rager at the Z in the slot positions. So he's somebody to be excited about. I think he's a lock for the roster. Um, Travis Fulgham's looked pretty good, especially against Darius Slay too. Uh, right now I have four guys locked. Uh, I have Devonte Smith, Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham, and Quez Watkins. I think Greg Ward's very close to that. I know some people want more talent or more play making ability out of that fifth wide receiver spot. I just think he's a veteran that they know they can count on, especially in the slot when you're rotating positions. He's also solid on special teams. He could be a gunner. Um, and then I think the battle goes down to high tower, JJ single white side. And really that's it. I mean, Michael Walker's out with a foot injury Andre Patton's there. 
Jamon Osbun seems like <laughs> poised for the practice squad, even though he's had some moments. But I think it's really if they're going to keep six wide receivers, it's either Hightower or Sigal Whiteside. Where do you stand on that that duel of former draft picks? Well, you know, uh, I, I, when I look at our Sega Whiteside, we're we're headed down this road again, man. I really think you look at he makes some plays. And you're you seeing like, all right, cool. Because he, he, there was a time he made it, he flacco the way to throw it. He made this diving catch. like, And you're sitting there look like, well, we've seen this before. And then when it comes to game time, you're starting to look. It's like, oh, here we go again. And it, it is, it's not there. So I think I just see, I just see, think Travis Fogum took the role that J.J. Arcega Whiteside was supposed to have. And I just think this might be his last training camp with the Eagles. Look at some of the other guys. Hightower, I, he's he's, he's been inconsistent. I, and in today's uh, stock watch, I had him stock down because you'll look at him and he'll he'll make some he'll run a route. There's no denying his speed. He'll run an, uh, that that flyer that nine route with with ease and fifty fifty ball is was a fifty fifty ball. It's it's that's true with him. He'll, you'll see half time he'll catch it. Half time you're like, how did he did not how did he hold this in? But when it comes to his other routes, it seems like he's having issues with them. He's and it's that his inconsistencies are really might finally catch up to him. He hasn't done anything really special. Special teams, he's not a special teams player in my opinion. Looking at him, I don't see that as his future is is crazy. But and getting back to Greg Ward a little bit, I think he makes as well too because this team doesn't really have a have a like that veteran savvy guy on that roster right now. You look at it, so he might be. I don't want to just come off the wrong way like the Den Mom, but he he might be the he's like the big brother. He'll he'll be the big brother that they can all rely upon because when you look at everybody else, they're like two years all the people with significance. Like even besides Fogel, who's technically three years, you got everybody else two years or less. So yeah, he's like Gian- he's like Giannis's John Giannis's Giannis? Uh, John Giannis. Yeah, Giannis. Sorry, <laughs> it's been a long day. The kid yeah, he woke good, me man. up and he's got a tummy. Okay. So he's like his his older brother who's just like chilling there on the bench. Uh, does this team need to trade for a veteran wide receiver? In your opinion, I, I don't think so right now because you, I think you still want to get these a lot of these guys a lot of reps and as, with as much as they've been using the running backs and tight ends. I think they're going to think that as like an extension of the wide receiver core is going to and use a lot more tight ends, man. What do you think? I think I agree with you. I think that's how they're going to look at it. But I disagree with you in that they need somebody because I just feel like, look, we know that there are questions about Devontae Smith's size. And obviously having a knee injury early on is not a great look. Jalen Rager's been inconsistent. Quez Watkins has been very good in spurts, but what do we really know? Fulgham uh has been electric when he's gotten the time, but you know, who's to say man coverage won't shut him down again next year or in this year. Greg Ward can't pick up any yards after the catch unless he's wide open. So part of me is like, you know, if you have a player who's solid, but you're probably not going to keep from a number standpoint, maybe you look to Arizona and say, Hey, look, we'll swap you this player for Christian Kirk a guy who can play all three wide receiver positions and might not have a very big role given the investments you've made in DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green and some of these other players. So that's where I'm kind of at. But, you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. I think the preseason will tell us a lot about some of these guys. But I agree with you, your take on John Hightower. 
it's very easy for him to run a go route. I've yet to see him particularly get open on other types of routes, if that makes sense. Um, So let's move on to tight end, which I agree with you is an extension of the wide receiver position as much as this organization has tried to make it not that. Um, Like it's been reluctant uh, to do that because I do think this, this team really wants to be an 11 personnel base badly. Uh, I think Jeffrey Lurie, who talks about speed all the time, really wants it to be an 11 personnel base, but they also don't want to give up on Zach Ertz, who's still here. Uh, I've been impressed by Zach Ertz's, you know, overall approach to being a teammate, being a leader, even if he's frustrated, he's going to be a professional. And I think that's what the Eagles are counting on. This isn't a situation where the dude wants out and he's holding in. He's actually out in practice making plays. He actually looks very, very good. He looks angry uh, with the way he's running. Um, It's going to come to Dallas Goddard's playing time, but I think those two guys – uh, know what the deal is. Uh, if they're both here, I think both of them can be very talented. I think they both realize that wide receivers may be three or four deep at most, and they're going to get their targets. I also think Jalen Hurts has done a better job in this training camp of hitting tight ends pro- appropriately. From there, let, I mean, look, people know about Dallas Goddard. They know about Zach Hurts. Let's get into the third tight end competition because I think the Eagles have to keep a third tight end. Like it's like whether Ertz is here or not, they have to keep three tight ends. So here's here's the group. Uh, it's Jason Kroom, Tyree Jackson, Jack Stahl, Caleb Wilson, and obviously everybody's favorite uh, on again, off again, third tight end Richard Rogers. <laughs> uh, the Hakeem Butler experiment at tight end has been over for about a week. He's been lining up with wide receivers. We talked about Tyree Jackson in basically all of our write ups. Uh, I don't know how they're going to get this guy through waivers. He's just an athletic freak. It seems like the second and third string offense have kind of developed their attack around him in a lot of ways, unintentionally. Uh, Jack Stahl's done some stuff. I haven't really noticed Caleb Wilson this week. He was fine the week before. Richard Rogers has kind of faded into the background. Jason Kroon's dealing with a knee injury. Uh, I think this team's learned from the Noah Taga, uh, Tagiai, um incident uh and i just think tyree jackson's a guy who's poised to make this roster because with richard rogers if he's on the roster in week one his contract becomes guaranteed so or his salary becomes guaranteed so in theory you could cut rogers and then bring him back or put him on the practice squad it's not like anybody was rushing to sign him he just signed after the offseason program so uh are you in agreement with that one i actually agree with, yeah i agree with that because Jackson seems to build a rapport. I mean, Flacco said he's he's been amazing in camp. He has been. He's that's been his go to guy during his second teams. I just want to make sure that he's a good blocker. And and he's, it seems like a lost art. I mean, he's, you hear so many times these receivers converting over to playing tight end, but you always forgot that hey, you know, you gotta have him in there a block at times. I mean, he's a big guy, and if he's able to even just to get in somebody's way, if he does that even well, I think he's good. And it's, it could be one of those things where you put him on the roster. You save, uh, like you mentioned, put Rogers there, and I think Stoll gets put stashed a little bit because of what we saw during some of the uh, near the goal line routes. I mean, I think his usage. Uh, other yeah, we're not there. allowed to report that officially. Officially, what he was doing, but yeah, right. I'll, yeah, what I will say is the usage of said player would be very on brand for me. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know anything about me and my personal interests in the game of football, 
<laughs> I would say that Jack Stahl checks a box. Cool. All right, we're good. We got it. I feel like I feel like I feel like we're talking. You never watch like well, I, I don't know how much you watch the kids shows, but like they're always talking to you and 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 saying like like Mickey will be like, "Can you can you give me a thumbs up?" Ha ha. And like, <laughs> and my kid will be be like, "Thumbs up." You know, I've been thinking about putting together stuff like because. 400 episodes is not too far off. And I've been thinking about putting stuff together of different moments. That voice, Mickey impersonation, may make its way. <laughs> that was great. Well, gee golly, Chris. Uh, can we talk about the tight ends? Uh, should we move on to the offensive line? Oh, I think we're getting a little goofy with some of this stuff. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> this... The No Huddle Show podcast is not sponsored by Disney whatsoever. <laughs> I can also do, I can do I, I'm very limited in my impressions. I can do the Roadrunner, like, but that's like that's it's, it's, as far as I go. But anyway, <laughs> hey, boo boo, let's move on to the offensive line. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, all right. So, Mike, we have to talk about Jason Kelsey and everybody else now. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Anna Barbera would be very proud of this podcast. Um, all right. So let's go into the offensive line because, look, Brandon Brooks and Isaac Samalo have hamstring injuries. Surprise! Uh, and so they're on the, they're on the sideline, but let's talk about this left tackle battle because look, I've preached patience with this. I do think some, I've spoken to people in the organization who are not panicking about Andre Dillard through the first two weeks, as much as the fan base is. Um, and look, Jordan Maylott has run away with this thing, in my opinion, just from my eyes, just from my perspective, we don't know what's going on in the film rooms. We don't know what's going on in the morning walkthroughs. We don't know that, that stuff, but based on one-on-ones, which Jeff Stoutland hates to judge people off of, then I don't understand why you do it, uh, by the way, because no one ever blocks isolated the way that they block. Uh, in team drills, it's just Jordan Maylott is like stoning Derek Barnett, who's having a terrific camp, who we'll talk about later. But, you know, from my perspective, this is Jordan Maylott's job. Um, which is unfortunate for the Eagles because we've talked about this before. The ideal setup would be that George, Andre Dillard would win this um, and Jordan Melata, who has the ability to play both sides of the line, would be able to be that ultimate swing tackle. The thing is, for Jordan Melata to win this job, he has to run away with this competition. Here's what he's going up against. Andre Dillard is not only a former first-round pick, he's a former first-round pick that they traded up for. So there's more investment in that than a regular first-round pick. Uh, he also can't play both sides. If you bench him and he has to be a backup left tackle, you really can't go back to him because you're killing his confidence. We all know he's struggled with that uh, during his career. And also, I'm not really shooting third. I don't know what you can get for Andre Dillard at this point. Um, I think he's still athletic. I think he looks better physically than he has in the past, but it really hasn't added up to a ton of stuff. And frankly, when you're losing battles, uh, in non-padded practices as a finesse blocker and a footwork guy, that's a problem. That should be your bread and butter. So where are you at with the left tackle battle? 
It's Mylotta. It's Mylotta's to lose at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I think we should call it, frankly. But, I mean, you want to get into the preseason and you want to see what happens. Yeah, and and now I'm worried if that you might lose him. And Dillard, how many times, How like, to be a guy who is supposed to be the next Jason Peters, basically Jason Peters' replacement for years to come, and he was highly touted coming out of college, and you're sitting there looking like, this guy has the footwork. I, I, you're starting to find out what's this missing piece, and you just can't put your finger on it. He seen, he. We all heard the way he was talking coming into the season. He seemed like he had a new, renewed focus. I think it's just basically that he that attitude he has. He's he, I, when I think of somebody who's going to be protecting a quarterback, on the, as, especially as a left tackle, I think of somebody who's going to be nasty enough. Not only just has great footwork and gets a good leg kick and, and uses his arms. I want to see somebody who looks nasty or takes things, looks like he takes things personal if he gets beat. And I've seen that out of my Alada when he's gotten, when, when he's gotten worked, when he got worked a couple times, I see him get worked, but overall he's had a good ones. But when it comes to Diller, when he gets worked, it just looks like, wow, I just got beat. Wow. I can't do it. He's in, there, he's in his head. There's definitely like uh, on the subject of cartoons, there's definitely a Charlie Brown like aspect to Andre Dillard with the way he practices. You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of <laughs> like, all right, whatever. When he gets beat, it looks like Eeyore a little bit. That's the thing. Yeah, like, uh, like the yeah. one time when he got driven back, they, when he got driven back, I, forget, I think I want to say it was a uh, Hertz and quarterback, but maybe flag boy. He got driven back and he just, to me, I want to, I want to see somebody, who comes back in the next play and wants to try to drive the defensive end like 10 yards down the field or pancake him the next one or at least attempt to do it. And he just took it like it was another snap. Like he, nobody's going to win 100% of those snaps. And he didn't bounce back the way you wanted to see somebody do that. That wants to be a starter. Yeah, I don't think he's been like horrific, but I don't think he's been good, if that makes sense, right? Like when you're watching like an offensive line one-on-one, when you're talking to other beat writers, you, you go, was that a win? Was that a loss? What do you have? And sometimes you're just like, I mean, it was kind of a win, but it wasn't really, or it was kind of a loss, but it wasn't really. That's kind of what Andre Dillard is. It's kind of a win. It's kind of a loss, whatever. It's never like a definitive win. And I think that's a problem, especially at left tackle. uh, When you have a mobile quarterback, I just think Jordan Melotta is so much more physically talented. And now the technique's catching up and he's like stonewalling guys like Josh Sweat, who's running rampant on everybody else. And so... I think that's extremely impressive. I think both of them should get uh, an entire half uh, of each preseason game, frankly, at this point. Um, I want to see them play. I mean, obviously, you don't want to risk them to injury, but because Dillard obviously has has a history of injuries, and so does Melata with the back. But, like, I want to see one of them play an entire half against Pittsburgh, and then another one play a whole quarter, and then the next thing, switch it up, like those guys should be on the field for three quarters, one of them. Uh, you know what I mean? And then you can hand it over to Brett Toth or whatever you want to Toth, excuse me, whatever you want to do. <laughs> but let's get into some other positions. I think Nate Herbig, who I had as a on the bubble guy, is now a lock. Jack Driscoll's a lock. Um here's the thing. If you're either if you have Dillard on the bench, Driscoll's gonna have to be your main right tackle, and then or sorry, Dillard's going to have to be your main left tackle. Driscoll will be your right tackle. And then Herbig will back up all three interior spots. So from there, you've got that covered. Those are your active game day offensive linemen, right? 
But then I think you need a ninth guy because, you know, let's say that Landon Dickerson stays on the non-football injury list and LaRaven Clark stays on pop for a while. Those guys will eventually come back. But to me, I think Luke Jariga has had the ninth best camp, if that makes sense. Uh, I think, you know, him being a center, you know, with the history of Brooks and, and Sam Allo's injury histories and Kelsey getting older, Nate Herbig is probably going to be thrust into action at some point. Jariga can play guard and center. And I think that that's important, you know, as an extra man, you don't want to lose him. He's also very Jason Kelsey-like. Uh, the, the coaching staff really likes Opeta. They really, I mean... They really like Casey Tucker. I don't think either one of those guys is going to get claimed off waivers. Ross Pierce-Bacher, he's been fine, but I think you can get him to waivers. Matt Pryor is a guy who's been starting at right guard with Brennan Brooks out. Maybe he sneaks on. I thought he was almost definitely not going to make the roster prior to Brennan Brooks getting injured. We'll see how he does in the preseason. Um, he was not very good in the preseason or in live practices last year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Toth, I, I, you know, he's a practice squad guy, in my opinion. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Um, let's move on to the defensive line. Um, unless you have any qualms with what I said. No, that's pretty spot on. Okay. Spot on. <laughs> All right. So let's move <laughs> to the defensive line. So they're using a hybrid defensive front with Gannon. So I think the numbers are going to be a little skewed than what Eagles fans are typically used to. Normally the Eagles keep about 10 defensive linemen and five to six linebackers. I actually think it's going to be more equal. I think there's going to be about eight or nine defensive linemen and six or seven linebackers. So um, the guys that I have locked in right now are Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan, and Milton Williams. Now, Milton Williams is playing defensive end. He's going to be a main big end backup, uh, probably a five technique to Brandon Graham. Uh, I think you'll see Barnett and Sweat stand up as the the seven or the edge rusher, the true edge. Um, and then I think you'll see Kerrigan play kind of the Sam hybrid role that they've been kind of testing out with Jannard Avery. He's been injured with a thumb injury during padded practices, so we haven't really been able to see it. But he's going to be a guy who rotates at end with with Barnett and Sweat, and then play Sam in in base packages. In my opinion, uh, are we in agreement on that one? Yep, I'm cool with that. Yep. All right. So from there, their defensive tackle depth isn't like terrific uh, because if you have Milton Williams, or as I call him, Milty Shake, uh, <laughs> playing defensive end. Yeah, he can come in if Javon Hargrave or Fletcher Cox has an injury, but you need a guy who's a true defensive end, in my opinion, who can play nose tackle, who can play three technique. I think that guy's Hassan Ridgeway. I've been impressed by Raekwon Williams quite a bit, and I think he can be a very good nose tackle in this league, but I also think you can get him through waivers. And, and remember, the Eagles can boost two guys from practice squad every week, and I think Raekwon Williams is the ideal candidate for that. T.Y. McGill has also played really well, but he's really only a three technique, so I don't know if you stash him, especially with a hybrid front, because Worst case scenario, you could always move Brendan Graham inside and have Derek Barnett take over for him. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's ways to move around. Um, Rookie-wise, just getting into it because I don't want to like dwell too much on this. I haven't really been particularly impressed by Teron Jackson or Patrick Johnson. Uh, Patrick Johnson is playing more linebacker, but he's also learning a new position. I think both those guys can get to the practice squad. They were sixth and seventh round picks. Um Mar- Marlon uh, Tupelotu, Mr. T, 
I have not been impressed by him at all. He's not been very good in in one on one drills. I haven't noticed him at all in team drills. I think a lot of the Eagles six and seven, like that six, the four six through seventh round picks. I think one guy is going to make it. We'll talk about him later, but the rest are probably going to be sashed on the practice squad. That's something that happens when you have 10 draft picks. Typically not everybody makes it. Um, uh, Jaquan Bailey's had some flash, but uh, I don't really think that that's going to be a thing. Anything you disagree with? I think Jax has been a played all right. I, I think that it's, he he's held his own at times and he's gotten a little, a little bit of pressure, but I completely agree. I, I thought that Tui Polo to Mr. T when he thought, when they got him and now seeing that they were playing this hybrid three and with him playing potentially in the three, four, I thought he'd play all right. And especially after he said, he's mentioned before on Sirius XM that this system is eerily similar to the one that he played at USC. So I figured that would give him an edge, but he hasn't done well. I don't know if missing all that time during mini camps is playing a role in it, but he's just been, it's been Lack of a better word, underwhelming in, he, in there, but otherwise. What I've been surprised with is like he strikes me as a guy who would have a lot of upper body strength, he yeah. and lower body strength, like overall strength in his body. I haven't seen him anchor well at all. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And for a nose tackle, you've got to be able to hold your ground. It just feels like he's not even taking on one defender or one one blocker well. Right, yeah, you want that guy to be able to take the guard to get the guard with the center as well. But it's like the center is being able to handle. Like I think it was it Pierce I think it might have been. Yeah, Pierce had Carter. some good reps against him. Yeah. Against him, Jariga's had some good reps. Uh, and the thing is, Jariga's not a Jariga's not a, a a strength blocker. He's a finesse blocker, and he's yeah. he's he's doing well. So let's move to linebacker, where this is kind of like a hodgepodge group, right? You have your natural off-ball hook responsibility linebackers, the Will and the Mike, um, that essentially means that they get to cover the area uh, in, in zone. Uh, they're, those are mostly going to be your nickel package guys. The, 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 the base package, Sam linebacker, is kind of being used as what you would call an auto or a an elephant, kind of that 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three, uh, under hybrid um rusher they've been using osman patrick johnson and Jannard avery there i think Jannard avery makes the most sense for that position even though i don't really think he's been rosterable based on his performance excuse me um right now i have them keeping seven linebackers i think jacoby stevens is a guy who they envision as kind of a nickel but i could also see him taking some sam reps because he's a pretty good blitzer um it seems like he's got really good speed to the quarterback. He takes angles very well. He seems just like a smart player. So that would make sense if he were to be the one that they inevitably have backup Kerrigan in that role. Um, I think that Alex Singleton will be taken off the COVID list any day now. He and, and Eric Wilson are likely your starters. I think Edwards is probably an early down sub package player. I think that Bradley is a backup middle linebacker. Sean Bradley's a backup middle linebacker. Davian Taylor's the interesting guy to me because Sean Bradley and, and TJ Edwards really to me are simply middle linebackers. They don't have the range to play outside. And Davian Taylor's a guy who I think can be the backup will. Um, where are you at with the linebacker group right now? Well, I envision Stevens. I, I, I've like, uh, what I've seen in limited parts of him, I liked what I've seen, and I even see him like and say if it's like a dime package, and it would be you'd be going really really light there, but having him as the lone linebacker on the field and having him cover in the middle, I like that. 
there's so much you can do with him. And as you mentioned, when you bring him down to the side and blitz him off the edge, you can do a good job with that. So I like that. Johnson, Johnson's an enigma to me. Like he's a, to, he's, he can rush the passer. He can stand up and do well. I, I want to see well, how he can do it and drop back and, and play in space. That's why I really want to see him grow a little bit more. I, I think he can he can be a good guy, like a good depth guy. And then, you, as you mentioned, Bradley and Edwards are more or more middle linebacker guys. And they, and I'd like I'm curious to see if they do like to bring that uh, like a double A gap edge and and see them because I remember Bradley and I remember Edwards. They've been good blitzers and. See, to see them be able to rush the passer, if they decide to, if uh, defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon decides to bring some more rush, I think that can be very intriguing to see. We probably won't see it in the preseason because they won't want to show their cards or their different uh, exotic looks and everything. But that can be really intriguing, and I want to see how when Singleton really is finally is activated, how he reacts, and if it's going to take some, how quickly he's able to get back to the level he played at last year, especially missing all this time due to being on a COVID list. Yeah, and I think one of the benefits as we get into the secondary with Stevens is he can let you go, be, go a little light on safety because, you know, in a pinch, he can he can play in that safety role based on his college tape. He seems really smart. He's also super athletic. You know, he has ball skills. He had an interception uh, off uh, Jalen Hurts earlier this week playing with the first team. Uh, he's dealing with a hamstring injury right now, so we'll see how long it takes for him to get back on the field. Uh, you'd like to see him in the preseason. Maybe they stash him. Uh, on IR so we get into the defensive backfield uh obviously Anthony Harris is going to be one of the starting linebackers I think Kayvon Wallace is that third safety job locked up Roddy McLeod's working really hard on the sideline but he's still on the pup list we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he makes the roster for week one even if he's not actually active for that game like I said if you keep uh Stevens you can go into week one or week two with Harris Wallace either Marcus Epps or uh, Andrew Adams, who I think has been really impressive in his two practices back from the COVID list. So uh, I feel like it's going to be a four-man group. Um, Graylin Arnold's doing everything he can to make this roster. It'll be interesting to see, like, if they don't keep somebody like Jannard Avery, maybe it's it's Arnold that takes his spot. Um, it's just like this roster is so hard to figure out when you don't really truly know what the defensive front's going to be and how they plan to, uh, how much they plan on running base and, and nickel and, and all that stuff. But it makes it fun, right? Especially entering the preseason. So, with with that said, let's say McLeod is is starting at one safety spot. Harris is starting in another, by the way, it's going to be a split safety look. The free safety and strong safety aren't a thing anymore for this, for this Eagles defense, in my opinion. Uh, it'll be based on sub packages where you have them line up, et cetera. Both players can play free and strong, uh, the starters. So can Kayvon Wallace. Okay. And so if Kayvon Wallace is the third guy, who's your fourth guy right now at safety? I know we skipped corner. We'll get back to corner, but yeah. Go I go Epps. I go Marcus Epps. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he, he's, played well i think he's played well enough you see him he's still flying to the ball he's still like he has that good lateral movement and he's still in coverage and then you can't forget that he's good on special teams and i know, I know we we i know we talk about special te- we talk about it a lot when you talk about these players but that's gonna be the best way to build your roster especially toward the bottom like when you get to your 45th 6th and 7th guys he's good he's good in, on special teams coverage in that area so i think Epps has played well when he's been uh when he's been uh, playing safe in his defensive back role and has been playing some tight coverage. I, I noticed that he's done decent. I think he's got the edge on that position right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what's also helping Marcus Epps is like we talked about with Richard Rogers, 
uh, Adams is a vested veteran, so if they don't want to guarantee his contract, they can cut him for week one and then bring him back in week two, which would help Marcus Epps make the initial roster. Um, and then you could go from there. Uh, I also think Marcus Epps has probably some of the best ball skills in the secondary, which isn't really a high bar, but I like what I've seen from him. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a, I'll give you a dark horse, Elijah Riley, because I think that his special teams work is really kind of shown through over the last week or so. Um, but yeah, let's move on to corner because obviously this has been the topic of the summer really on the defense uh, for pretty much everyone, not just the media, but fans and, and really spectators in general. Uh, so they bring in Steven Nelson before camp. He's had kind of an up and down camp. I think he's pretty much been what you expected for a number two corner who has not played or trained in this defense for very long. Um, he and Slay will be the starting outside corners. Although Zach McPherson, the rookie, has been a revelation during uh, during training camp practice. I was huge on him when they drafted him. Uh, I know a lot of people were like, the guy should have been drafted in the seventh round. No, if you watch his tape, he reminds me so much of Sheldon Brown and his physicality and practice has only furthered uh, that evaluation process for me. Um, I think he's very intelligent, very physical, very technique sound, technically sound, excuse me. Uh, he's not going to beat you on speed. He's not going to beat you, uh, you know, on just natural talent, but his ability to understand the game, he's got really good instincts. He's got really good coordination. I think he's a really special guy to kind of watch develop over the next few years, because once Steven Nelson books it out of here after one year, I think Zach McPherson's your, your start, your number two corner with Darius Slay for maybe one more year. And then, you know, they'll draft somebody next year, but McPherson to me, his upside is a very good number two corner. Um, and so once you have those three guys on the outside, you look at Avante Maddox, who I think's had a solid camp. He hasn't been terrific, but He's been solid. And then I think his backup is going to be Josiah Scott, who I've been really impressed with, with the second and third team defense. Where are you at with uh, those five guys? Um, I, I guess in the cornerback group, cornerback group, and then who would be your sixth guy between Michael Jaquette, uh, Craig James, uh, Lavert Hill, who's still frozen from Quez Watkins route running, <laughs> uh, Kayvon Seymour, who I have genuinely not even noticed. Not once, not like literally I forgot. I forget he exists every time I take attendance. Uh, he's there. Yeah, he's, he's there. I mean, he's there. So there's four <laughs> guys competing for that six spot. If they're going to keep a six spot, that guy's going to be mostly a special teams player. And he's going to have to have the ability to play bo- both outside and inside uh, because he's going to be active on game day. Yeah, I have no. I agree with your five cornerbacks, and, and and getting back to McPherson, I and, and I'll be honest, I had severe reserv, reservations when it, they came to select him, because when it comes to cornerbacks and in, in the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve, I just have red flags. Given that those deep those offensive co- conferences and, and and some of those cornerbacks that come out there, you're like, Ugh, totally understandable for SEC. <laughs> but looking at if I had to go to a six corner, I'm going Craig James. I've I think I he's had a good job in cor- in coverage. You've seen him. Uh, he's been on a lot of the receivers' back hips. He's breaking up some passes. I thought he's done well. I thought he showed well when he came to comes one on one drills against some of those wide receivers. And I see the thing with Seymour is just I, I don't know. But Michael, I'll go to this. Michael Jaquette. I really thought he would bounce back and have a great second. Not great. Ooh, that's 
put it a little strongly, but have a, a good bounce back second year. I thought, especially as a bigger corner and getting used to the league and 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 learning from a, from his mistakes he made. But he's had issues. I mean, in the corners, I mean, he's, he's covering tight ends. He's covering some of the bigger bigger uh, receivers, and he's being called for holding. I saw, saw the field judge threw a flag on a holding on a, on a corner route, Jackson, and he's been called, called a couple times for that. And he, I know he wants to be physical and I want and and try to reroute receivers and try to make plays, but it's not working for him so far. And it, he's been a little disappointing for me to this point in training camp. And he, I think he's going to have to. Step back, uh, step up his game, and do it quickly before he might be on the outside looking in on the roster. Yeah, I mean, you and I are in lockstep on on that entire valuation of the secondary. Uh, special teams, Aaron Cipas has been fine. Um, actually, a pretty good interview. I was surprised. Rick Lovato has been the Super Bowl champion and Pro Bowler that you would expect. Jake Elliott's been a little inconsistent. He bounced back from a four of six day the next day. Uh, my kid had me up at two o'clock. I'm pretty sure his his uh, designs on on keeping me up all night were so that I would fall asleep during special teams drills. I didn't actually fall asleep, but I must have uh, mentally checked out when Jake Elliott was kicking field goals because <laughs> I don't remember that ever happening. Um, supposedly he went six of six. Uh, so shouts to him. Um, I don't think we really need to talk about specialists but uh you know make sure you guys are 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 daily coming to nj.com we're doing extensive training camp notes in my opinion our notes are as as extensive as anyone out there uh and then on top of that you've got the great work chris is doing uh you know following the quarterbacks around i mean he's he's paying a lot of attention to everything that they do um and then remember you can also sign up for eagles extra uh nj.com slash text we're having a lot of fun there um and you know make sure you give us five star ratings for the no huddle show podcast i know there's been some pushback about our our weekly updates um we do that in case people are living under a rock or or just are looking for a quick listen uh to keep updated you know on the week ahead obviously there have been less things going on. So some of it can be dated at times, but we appreciate you tuning into those as well. Um, Chris, final thoughts heading into the first week of the preseason. Who is the player that you think needs to step up the most that's been here for at least a year? Ooh, that's a very good question. Huh? I'll I'll go. I know it's going to be low hanging fruit, but I'm going to go JJ Arcega Whiteside. I think he has to he's going to be going probably most likely against second team guys given his area on the depth chart so he's going to need to figure to find a way to put things together because if he can't beat second team guys in the role he's currently in right now it's lights out so he needs to step up who do you think yeah i'm going with matt Pryor. i think this is a really huge three-week stretch for him and his career obviously he's like six foot eight so he's going to get looks elsewhere just based on his natural size. I just think you want to be coached under Jeff Stoutland. He's going to make you better. And this was a guy who a lot of people thought could replace Big V as as like the sixth man of the offensive line. Last year was basically a disaster. He's getting an opportunity to play with the first team uh, offense. I think he just has to take advantage. Um, so 
for Chris, I'm Mike. We will give you another one of these as a preview to the preseason game on Wednesday. So that'll be our next show. Uh, Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you sign up for Eagles Extra. We will talk to you on Wednesday.